If you are looking for even more help and guidance on your breakup, I have a few different options for you to take your healing to the next level. I have four different online courses depending on what stage of the breakup that you're in from beginning all the way into moving on after heartbreak, or you can bundle all of my courses together and use the code podcast to get $25 off my course bundle. I also have my 30 day no contact challenge to help hold you accountable in going no contact with your ex. And we have our free Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with other people going through breakups all over the world. To learn more about any of these resources, head to the show notes where you can learn more about my courses, take the quiz to figure out which course is best for you, or join the Facebook group. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST to get $25 off my course bundle. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast with your host, Breakup Bestie, aka me, Kendra. Breakups are hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Each week, I will be taking you through a different topic as it relates to breaking up, healing from heartbreak, growing in your single life, dating, and getting back into happier and healthier relationships. The goal of this show is to provide support, hope, tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. And as usual, I'm so excited to introduce you guys to today's guest. Today, I'm interviewing Joy Sullivan, who is a poet and a transformative language artist. And the reason I was so excited to interview her, her and I took a this amazing class together. And right when I found out what she did, I knew I had to interview her because if you've listened to any other episode of this podcast, you know how important I find writing to be when it comes to the healing process. Journaling, writing letters, just getting your feelings out. And Joy is really going to explain why it is so powerful to do it. So what she does is she helps empower individuals to own their narrative, discover their emotional intelligence, reframe their negative thought patterns, and ultimately heal through words. And she puts on these incredible workshops where she helps people write poetry to help them through trauma. So she's worked with victims of human trafficking, um, childhood trauma. She does some really impressive work by utilizing her expertise in poetry. So we had such a great conversation around this, talking about why writing is so important, how to start a writing practice, how to start identifying the narrative that you tell yourself, whether that be around relationships or around heartbreak through writing. So I'm so excited for you guys to hear this episode. If I can help anyone start developing a writing practice by listening to this podcast, I consider it a job well done for me. So I'm excited for you to actually hear from an expert in in this space today. So without further ado, here is my friend, Joy Sullivan. Welcome, Joy, to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. I'm so excited to have you on and to chat with you about the power of writing. Thanks so much. I'm really excited to be here. So I would love if you could start off by introducing yourself, what you do, and then I love to ask people why you do what you do. Yeah, thanks for that question. So my name is Joy Sullivan, and I'm a copywriter by day, but really my passion is transformative language arts. So I lead writing workshops for individuals who have been affected by trauma. So uh, we use creative writing as a modality to heal. So a lot of times the individuals that I work with have uh, experienced something pretty challenging, either homelessness or incarceration, or in some cases they've survived human trafficking. So uh, a lot of the writing workshops that I do are helping young women especially find healing through their own written word. That's amazing. And I, Joy and I met um, in the Renegade Accelerator program. And I was telling her before we started, like the second I heard what she did, I was like, I need to have, I need to talk to her because 
if you've listened to any other episode of this podcast, you know how important I believe writing is. And so writing has helped, you know, so much through so many like parts of my life. And I'd love to know what, what made you start writing and, and getting into this. Yeah. So writing has been a means of survival for me for a long time. I started writing when I was really young and mostly it was a means of expression. So my family grew up overseas and my dad was a, a medical doctor. And so I spent about four years of my young life in Africa, Central African Republic. And I actually started writing because I couldn't speak the language. So I had a really isolated childhood and my parents, is, my parents would take us to the African church service and I would be like four hours of me not knowing what was going on. So I would bring my notebook and I would start writing and I would uh, write and write. And it was kind of a way, I think, both of entertaining myself, but also of feeling and finding that I had a voice. And so that theme really carried me through. Um, we were evacuated from Central African, African Republic when I was about 10. And I wrote a lot in that transition um, as I became a teen and then through college, you know, at points of disruption, um, later, when I personally experienced trauma, I sort of always found my way back to myself through words. And then that's really, truly, I knew that this was the medium, the way that I was supposed to help other people find their voice and hopefully start a path that would also lead them home. Because it, at every point from being a child to an adult, I found that this was the where I had to start with coming home. Do you ever go back and read like some of your writings from like way back, way back when? Oh yeah. is my mother saves all my journals. I don't know if your mom does this, but she saves all my journals. And then, you know, she's trying to clear out the house now and she always sends them to me. And then I just like have to go back and read everything that I wrote as a kid. And you can't throw it away because it's so sentimental and, and but you're also just like horrified at that younger self and all the things you were concerned about. But Yes, absolutely. What about you? Yeah, I, I, you know what? I wish, I really wish I started journaling sooner. I didn't really pick it up until, until I got sober, but I do, I love to read. I love to read my own journals because like you said, I'm looking back to like when I was 15, like what was I worried about? I don't even remember. And even I have things that I wrote five years ago that I don't even remember what was so wrong at the time, but it like, you know, it prompted me to write pages and pages of, of something. So it just, it, it, I think it's a good way to remind ourselves that things pass. Yeah, absolutely. I love how you said that. That thing was, you know, that we're capable of such great transformation, but also that the self is steady, right? So when you think about trauma, the first, one of the first main effects of trauma is fragmentation of self or feeling like you have a fragmented self. And sometimes it becomes, whether you're experiencing grief or um, extreme loss or a breakup or, um, uh, some kind of really severe trauma, there is that feeling of being really far from yourself. So the other nice thing about a journaling practice and then having that historical practice is to sort of thread the self between them, right? And, and see that self carried through, that you are still an intact person. And I think writing uh, I like to write a lot to a younger self or to a future self as a practice. And I think that's a nice way to, to kind of center back and name the self. And again, that, that way to we find our way home. Yeah. And I want to go back to something that you said earlier that was very, really interesting and I had never thought about it, but you said you wrote a lot when you felt isolated um, and I, and I've never thought about it that way, but I, writing does make you feel less alone in some way. Yeah, I, I think it does. Uh, it's, it's an inherently, the stories we tell are a communal act, whether we do it privately or we do it publicly, you're always, by just giving voice to something that's been locked inside of you, it's, it's, it, you're, you're starting the first step, right, in building community. So I, I tell 
my participants when we write, you're also offering somebody else a way forward. So you're offering them an opportunity to also follow along with your story and to help help find meaning in their own experiences that might parallel yours. And that can be super healing for people um, in just, especially when you're feeling really isolated or alienated from other people to feel connected through writing down, giving language to all the scary, unspeakable things that we keep kind of trapped inside us. You know what I'm saying? I know. No, I know exactly what you're saying. And there have been, well, I think with, with trauma and with extreme, you know, with breakups and things like that, there's a lot of, for whatever reason, there's a lot of guilt and shame, um, which I think when we look at it from the outside, you know, we can say like, why would you feel shame over getting broken up with or, you know, an assault or something like that? Like, why would you feel shame Um, But there is, there's a lot of shame that comes with those things. And writing for me has been this really beautiful, like stepping stone for me to be able to then talk about it with other people. Because like you said, I wrote it down and it became less scary because it was, it provided some distance, even like even though the distance was just like from my eyes to a piece of paper, um, it provided this distance that allowed me to, I think, give myself like a little more grace than I had before. And then that allowed me to then open up to others, which, you know, we know is such a healing part of, is such an important part of the healing process. Yeah. I loved how you said that. It's about saying the unsayable, right? Because when we don't say it, we think that it goes away, right? We're just not going to name it. We're not going to say it, but it's always there. And it's then it's scuffed and trapped inside our bodies. And uh, I've seen it in my own self. I've seen it in other people. It's always going to find its way out. Not talking about it isn't doing any favors. You have to feel it. And I think there's all kinds of ways to feel it. I think writing is a really easy, simple, and accessible way to start moving some of that grief, some of that shame outside of the body. But I was just seeing somebody doing um, surfing therapy where they're literally working with women who express or are experiencing grief and they're thinking about it as waves of grief as they move through the ocean on a surfboard. And, and I saw someone who was doing something similar with music therapy. I think it's all the same mechanism in the body, right? You're just shifting that negative story or narrative or emotion or thought and you're pushing it out of the body and onto the page. And that when it's out in the open, you can deal with it. You know, it kind of reminds me of those really scary horror movies. I don't know if you've seen this and the the really frightening monsters, they never show you, right? Because nothing is as scary as what's kept in the dark that isn't named, that you can't understand then that's what keeps people terrified. But when you drag that monster out into the light, you see, oh yeah, it's scary, but now I know how I might deal with it. Now I have a name for it. And there's some power in that naming. So that's what I like to think about those really dark emotions. You just gotta drag them out and you'll see, hey, this is this might even not might not even be a monster. This might be just some part of me that's begging for acceptance and understanding, how can I begin communicating it with on, in the, within the safety of the page? Exactly. And I, I think a lot of us, well, I guess speaking for me, but like I tend to really um, overestimate like how good I am at expressing my emotions. I think I'm really good at it because you know, I've been to therapy, like, you know, I've done all of these things to help with my emotional intelligence. Um, but when it comes down to it, like my first instinct is still to either disassociate and like pull myself out of it or to just like maintain the status quo and like, you know, not dump something on someone else. So for me to like writing is that place for me of, of brutal honesty. And, you know, it's like when you go to therapy and you're like, I have nothing to talk about with my therapist today. And then an hour later, you're like crying because you had so much to say. Um, so I think writing is, is that channel for me of, of moving that stuff through and not just being satisfied with the fact of, 
well, if I feel sad, I'll know it because sadness can manifest itself into, you know, physical pain and like all of these other things if we don't move it through us. Yeah. And I, I, I totally appreciate what you're saying because I think there's a lot of scientific um, evidence that supports this too. We think about writing as being purely cathartic and I think of that it is. And, and that's a really key benefit. You feel better when you write, but there's actually scientific research that supports that exact idea that you're talking about. So there's a researcher by the name of J- James Pennebaker and he's done all kinds of really fascinating studies, but he wrote with um, college age students and found that students who systematically wrote for, I think it was 20 minutes a day for four days, he found that they didn't actually feel better directly after. They felt kind of exhausted from the processing, right? But he followed them over the course of the semester and he found that they had vastly higher rates of um, mental health. They visited the, uh, the campus clinic Uh, way less frequently than their counterparts, um, and they did better academically. So something happens within the body that, like you said, that emotional trigger helps us also heal in all these other ways in our life that has some physical manifestation. They also did a study that showed people who wrote after having a, a small skin wound healed faster. The skin repaired itself around the wound faster than those who didn't Uh, Right, which just kind of blows my mind in uh, thinking about how we might empower people to heal themselves, right, through language. That's so, so interesting. And, you know, just looking at, I mean, I'd be so curious to hear, like, you know, what are some of the transformations that you've seen from these, you know, these women that have been through sex trafficking and, you know, all that other kind of trauma, like what, what does it look like for them? And, and I think you brought up a good point too. The beginning is not the easiest part. The beginning, it, it hurts because you're looking at something that you were ignoring. So, and it's not always like the, the brightest thing to look at. It's usually kind of dark. So, um, so I, I think of, I always think of writing as more of a long-term investment, which it sounds like that's what the studies have affirmed too. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that also because it's sort of like when you go and you get a massage, there is, if you're really, if you're, if your back's really tight, there's an element of pain in that. And I think when we go to write about the things that have traumatized us or broken our heart or the deepest pockets of shame that we carry around with us, having to face that the moment we sit down and say, I'm going to look at it, I'm going to write it in the safety of the, the page. I don't have to share it yet. I usually encourage my students if they want to pick one person to read their words aloud to, I think that's therapeutic also. But even if you're not ready to do that, to just look again at whatever that scary thing is, drag it into the light. That's the first step, right? On the path to healing. And so Um, I also tell, especially women that I work with, young women, I work predominantly from girls anywhere from 12 to 17 um, who have experienced really challenging life stories. A lot of times they're not at a point where I can hand them a pen and say, okay, write about the most traumatic thing that ever happened to you. Uh, That's not, that's not going to be the right approach. And I think that the, the same is true for anyone. So one of the first steps that I tell individuals is just start writing. So a lot of times uh, I might just write about, I might just check in and say, how am I feeling today? And I might free write. And if I get stuck, I say, I use the phrase, what I'm really trying to say is, and I'll write that down on the page. And then the first thing that comes to me, that's what I'll write. And, you know, I'm a poet. My background is in poetry. I have a master's in poetry. And I've actually found that that device makes really nice poems because it's a, it's a nice through line uh, in what I'm really trying to say. And it asks you to go one uh, layer deeper. And then, you know, I also recommend to folks, what is an emotion you'd like to focus on? So maybe it's shame or maybe it's a feeling of rejection or maybe it's a feel of loss or longing or Sometimes you can look around the room or you can pick another object, but pick an object 
and link it. My shame is like a shattered glass and write that story. But to kind of come at it slant um, is easier than just sitting down and trying to write about your shame, right? So giving your brain some ability to make parallels is kind of a nice way uh, to get into writing if you're feeling like, gosh, where do I start? I tell, like, I remember someone saying, just like, write like what, you know, what you have to do today. Like, you know, just, just start, just to start writing somewhere. Um, and, and I loved what you said too, about it brings you one layer deeper because when I start, especially when I first started, I wasn't just going to write like, the most traumatizing thing that ever happened or my biggest source of shame or my number one fear. Like that's never what it starts off with. It's today when I was talking to Sarah, I started feeling irritated. Okay. Why did I feel irritated? And then it's like, and then we just work our way through. And then it usually gets down to like, I really got my feelings hurt. And, you know, instead of, it wasn't anger. It was like, my feelings got really hurt. I felt left out. Um, I felt left out because I have all this stuff from elementary, you know, it's like, we just keep working our way down, but we're not going to start at the root. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like you're creating again in the safety of the page. I think about the page as a safe space all the time. It's this really nice way to process the things that we don't even understand yet. And you don't have to worry about, gosh, did I pick the right word here that this person's going to understand? Because it's just your page and it's your space. And I think, I think related to that is this idea of you can be anybody you want on the page. So if there are other versions of yourself, when we think about what's the person that I want to become, let's say post a breakup, what's the person that I want to become or who's the person that I want to attract or bring into my life? When you try it on, on the page, there's a safety in it, right? And especially when I think about writing with um, young women who are trying to think through really complicated emotions of even love or desire, but maybe they've had really traumatic pasts. The page is this beautiful space that's so safe. And when we go around and critique the writing, it's always positive, but we talk about uh, the speaker in the poem or the speaker in the piece of writing um, to give that person a little bit of distance between them themselves being the author. And so I think when we're writing for ourselves to keep that in mind that I can, if it's helpful for me, I can write as if I was someone else. And I can, I can sort of know that I'm actually exploring my own emotions, but it gives you a little bit of room to try on some other version of yourself or some other way of thinking through what has happened to you or some other response, some alternative ending. That's so beautiful because I think when, you know, someone's healing from trauma, going through a breakup, the present can feel too dark to look at and too dark, it can feel too heavy, um, which is, you know, why I suggest, you know, people right after a breakup, like, don't, you don't have to get into the heavy stuff. It's like, what brings joy, you know, what brings like happiness. And so being able to write about like, you know, what you want, you know, kind of mapping out your future and, and using journaling as a way to daydream and to, to transport you to something different. And I, I think just, I talk about this a lot, but I think distraction gets a really bad rap. Um, but, but I, I think, you know, there's times in my life that I, distraction was the thing I really needed. And it was, you know, I needed to kind of be transported somewhere else. Yeah. Sometimes I think, especially when you think about a cyclical cognitive loop, Sometimes the only thing you can do to get out of it is to interrupt it. And whether that happens by just distracting or finding something else that breaks that pattern, I think it's really important to do. And I, I've noticed too a benefit of people writing who don't necessarily feel like they want to write exactly about the subject matter itself is to, to come back to the what are the names I use for myself? What are what is the future I write for myself? What is uh, what is the reality that I name for myself? I think the most beautiful 
part of writing. And I have experienced this plenty of times um, in my own relationships that have ended. We sometimes have a little bit of that fractured self, right? We don't know who we are without this other person, or maybe this person has made us feel lesser than, and it's been a long time that we've said, hi self, who, who am I? What are the names that I, what is the truth that I speak over myself? And so one of my favorite exercises that I do with my writing uh, workshop participants is to say others, it's like a fill in the blank. Others see me as, but truly I am. And it's just this beautiful shift. And I tell you what, it is a humbling and beautiful experience to see the names of worthiness and dignity and beauty that these young women speak over themselves. It's like a truth that we all know, but sometimes in those cognitive loops, we don't, we don't tell ourselves that. We have to literally write a love letter to ourselves and say, this is the truth of who you are and remind it, remind ourselves of that. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you do if you had unlimited time and energy? As you're navigating your breakup, I know your energy can feel low and it can feel really difficult to complete everything you need to in a day. When you're emotionally exhausted, it's especially important to be really clear on what your priorities are and where your energy should be invested. Therapy has helped me in the past figuring out where I should be putting my energy, whether that's career, friendships, relationships, events, which in turn has helped lower my anxiety because I don't always have to feel stretched thin or behind. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash heartbreak today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash heartbreak. Are you looking for a guilt-free way to unwind? Between balancing your breakup, work, and just functioning in your day-to-day life, I know you are under a lot of stress. Breakups mess with your nervous system, cause obsessive thoughts, and make it so hard to just sit with yourself. This is why it's so important to have rituals that allow you to treat yourself in a healthy way. And this is why I love Recess Mood, a sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like stress-balancing adaptogens and mood-lifting magnesium. Life has been very full and stressful for me lately, and as someone who hasn't had alcohol in a 11 years, I need something that helps me relax and that can bring me a moment of peace. Lately, my favorite way to do that is sitting on the couch after I put my kids to bed and having either the strawberry rose or the lime recess mood. They not only make me feel good, but they also taste incredible too. So whether you're looking for a healthier alternative to alcohol or a way to make you feel more balanced, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash heartbreak and get 15% off recess mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I think you mentioned that in the beginning of, um, I think you used the term like coming home to ourselves. And I know so many of my clients that I work with, Either, you know, they, like you said, they lost themselves in the relationship um, or, you know, they didn't and, but it, it felt like a part of them was, was ripped away. And I think in a broader sense, going through a breakup is, is, you know, coming home to yourself and redecorating, reorganizing, like, you know, kind of getting to know that. And I think if, you know, if anything has allowed me to do that, it has been writing because I've even like, you know, I've been writing and I'm like, I want this. And then I'll say, actually, I don't, you know, it's like, I can kind of like correct myself right away of being like, that actually doesn't feel good. Like I can try it on and say that actually doesn't feel good. And I, I loved what you said too, about writing in third person when, 
I have clients that have a hard time not going back to their ex. I'll say like, write out your relationship in, in a third person and then look at it and say like, is that a relationship you, you want to be in? Like create even a little extra distance. Um, because that's, you know, whether it's you're writing down the reality of a relationship or you're writing down what you said, like a love letter, um, like it, it, it provides a mirror to, to see yourself in a new way. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think we have to have that distance, right? Because otherwise, if we, a lot of times, if we just try and work it out, in our brains without the physical there isn't any movement happening right it can't shift if we keep it all inside us so i think that transformative piece is literally the processing it out on the page um, and the physicality of it i think really helps our brain rewire you know i think about we tell people well change your story tell yourself a different story and like that's great but how do you tell yourself a different story until you've given yourself new language Right. So unless you find new language on the page, it's really hard to change your story. And I have found this to be true so many times in my life. You know, I have had plenty of relationships and I've had narratives around, oh, you know, men aren't trustworthy. They aren't, um, you know, my relationships don't fail. I can't or always fail. I can't find what I'm looking for. And you know, I really started processing that and writing that out. And I found that it actually wasn't true. I had known I'd had lovely partners, I'd had amazing partners. And I found that slowly when I was talking about my relationships with new people, I could frame them in a better way. And then strangely, I started calling in more of the partners that I wanted because I wasn't, I did, wasn't so attached to one story. And that was that all men were going to hurt me um, and take advantage and leave. And suddenly by writing it out and changing my story, I made room for a new story, a more hopeful, a more aligned and true story to become mine. And I think so many of us have narratives in, in our mind um, of what, you know, what we're like, what we're, I, you know, I was the other day, I was, was I? I was telling someone the other day, oh, I'm not, I said, I'm not good at resting. And they said, but like, are you, you know, you can change that narrative. Like, you don't have to say like, I'm not good at resting. She's like, why don't you redefine what resting looks like? Um, and, but I think a lot of times we're not even aware of the narratives we tell ourselves until we, and it's, it's not like you're going to talk about the narratives in your head with your friends typically. So it's like something so much more intimate that would likely come out through writing. And, and I think the other thing for me is I have, um, I have so much anxiety. Like my head's usually such a busy place. It's so hard for me to like change my thinking in my brain because it, it's like, I can't just be like, stop doing this. Um, however, when I write down, maybe the opposite, or I write down an affirmation, or I write down like the truth, then something, something else like come comes out of me. It's like really hard to change your thinking in your own with your own thinking. I love that you said that, because I think there's so much truth in that, right? So especially when I think about poetry, and um, people get really nervous when I say this is a poetry workshop because they're like, oh my gosh, I don't write poetry. And I'm like, I, that is po poetry by the most generous term, right? So anything you write can literally be poetry. But one of the, the benefits of writing that way is there's such rhythm and musicality to it that um, it helps it become really ingrained and memorable and a part of who you are. So I have also experienced that, you know, like many women I've struggled with, you know, really feeling at home in my body and liking my body. And so a couple years ago, I wrote a poem called I Took My Body Out to Dinner. And I, the, the last line says, I stood in awe of my beautiful bones and begged her not to leave me. And now when I look in the mirror, I hear my own voice back to me. And there's so much power in that because if I hadn't, spent time processing that on the page and coming to that affirmation that I now carry with me, I don't think I would have ever been to, 
able to say that to myself. And it's not like it magically cures everything, but it's this beautiful ingrained um, sort of epitaph of worthiness that I can speak over myself. And I think that's really powerful. I, I wanted to, to speak you know, more to, to poetry, which is, you know, what, what you are, you know, being a poet and an expert in that. I think poetry has this power when not even just writing it, just reading it. Like when I'm scrolling Instagram, I see this poem and it, it feels, it feels like a punch to the gut sometimes, or like a hug, like it's so powerful. Um, and I wonder if you have any insight as to like why that is. Cause I read all day, you know, I read things, but like when it's framed in a poem and it, you know, has that musicality to it, it, it does. It's like, it's such a strong emotional reaction. Yeah. Emily Dickinson, you know, says, tell the truth, but tell it slant. And I think that that's what poetry offers us. It's like this back door into the house. Right, and it's it's something that through meta, uh, through metaphor and musicality and rhythm and internal rhyme, we have this whole way in that we almost didn't see coming. And so I think that's what poetry, good poetry, does is it sort of uh, takes us someplace that we've never been before, or have a new thought that we've never been before and uh, there's an element of surprise to it. So it helps us bring some part of ourselves into recognition or some part of ourselves, some experience that we haven't previously thought about. And I think that's why it's so powerful because it's the way that we, we don't really have an opportunity to do that in any other art form. We don't do it in conversation, but we can do it through a poem. That also makes me think about how how powerful it is when you see someone who writes a feeling that you've never been able to describe. Like there's just something, like it gives you chills. You're like, first of all, I had no idea people felt that way. And I've never been able to put that into words. And here I am reading this. That I to work with and having them have their own homes. I would always, you know, they would be amazed by how much connection would happen and overlap between their shared experiences and just naming those things and, and knowing that those were common emotions that were felt um, is, is so inherently healing. You know, you ask earlier, what's the kind of transformation that you witnessed? And it, it was incredible to, to watch a girl come into workshop um, and is this very typical with trauma survivors, a very closed body posture, you know, hand on the neck or covering the face because those are vulnerable parts of your body. And if you've experienced a lot of trauma, you want to cover vulnerable spots um, and no, no eye contact, um, very, very closed off, sunken shoulders to writing for about 20 to 40 minutes just that process and sometimes it was about silly stuff sometimes it wasn't about the great you know name your greatest strengths it was just about silly things and their whole posture would change so they were sitting up by the end of it they're always wanting me to read almost always they want me to read um and they they're talking to each other they're making eye contact so it was amazing to witness just in a very short period of time what was possible through writing. And I, I just, I find that so meaningful. Do you find that it's common that people are surprised what comes out of their hand when they write? I think so. I, I mean, the whole uh, point of my transformative writing workshops is to move, especially trauma survivors from the idea that they're bad people to they're good people that really bad things happened to. So I think a lot of times people are surprised or especially the girls that I work with were really surprised. Like I could, I could say really beautiful moving things. I could say really true things about my experience. And I think that, yeah, they were always surprised that they could write something because a lot of times the girls that I write with um, have not had positive affirmation around self-expression. So they've been silenced in a lot of different ways. Um, they've never had someone 
read aloud to them or give them a bedtime story, let alone read their own words. So a really healing moment is at the end of workshop when they ask me to read their writing back to them. And I read it with the dignity and worthiness that it requires. And you can see a physical relief happen when you're able to give that kind of attention to somebody who's experienced pain. There's also so much self-worth and self-esteem that's built. I mean, just in general from like being in so much fear of something, so much fear of self-expression to, to writing something like that. You know, people ask me like, how do I rebuild self-esteem? It's like you do things like that and you, you show yourself you're worthy of writing down your feelings, even if you don't believe it at the time. So I think that's probably another common thing that, that, that comes out of those workshops and comes out of writing. Yeah. I tell people you have the right to heal and you have to write to heal. So both, both expressions of that, um, because I think sometimes we just don't feel like we're worthy of healing. Who are we to take positive steps, especially if you're in a dark place? Are you feeling really rejected? Who am I to, to, to try and um, claw my way out of this? Um, and I think it's just helpful to remember that you have a right to heal and that healing is available to you and you are worthy of it. And the way to get there is to start writing and start remembering who you are and finding that voice and giving yourself worthiness to share that voice. So I always recommend that people, when they feel ready, if there's someone safe that they feel like they can share, just read a little bit with that other person. Let it live in the air. See how that changes how you feel. And I'm sure just hearing yourself speak words that, you know, 10 minutes before you wrote it, like you would never have had the courage to say. Totally. And, you know, it reminds me of one of the girls that I worked with and she, um, she was 16 being called in to testify against one of the men that assaulted her in court. And right before she, the day I saw her the day before she had to go to that trial. And she said, I, I, I don't, I'm going to run. And I don't want to, I don't want to go. I'm going to run. So the girls can AWOL from the center that they stay at. And sometimes they cho choose to run away. And that always is a, a really sad situation that they, when they choose to do that. But I printed off a poem she had written two weeks before and I gave it to her. And I said, I want you to read this before you take the stand. Because in it, she had said, I'm a survivor. I want to share my, this is why I want to share my story. I am, she named her abuser as an abuser in, in that piece of writing, which is a really important cognitive shift that happens on our healing journeys. And she said, the reason I want to share my story is so other girls don't end up like me. And I said, I'm not going to tell you what to do, whether or not you take that stand, but here is your truth and what you wrote. And I just want you to have that. Um, and so that's, that's the power of what we, to, to name it for ourselves. We can't get to our truest true until we decide to write it to ourselves. That is so powerful. <laughs> I'm sure you have so many stories like that too, of just the power, the power of what, ha you know, what happens and, you know, with a simple thing of putting pen to paper. Um, and I'd love you know, to, if you could touch on like, how does someone, how does someone start writing? And then if someone, you know, wants to maybe start trying poetry, like, you know, what would be some tips that you would have um, for someone to get started? Yeah. So it really depends on sort of your own personality. Some people love free writing. For me, it's terrifying. Um, it's like the blank page is too intimidating. So 
if you're like me and the blank page intimidates you, that's totally okay. You're in good company. Um, I find that a structured prompt is really helpful and there's many, or I, I actually find taking a, a, a workshop. Um, I offer several workshops, but there's tons of workshops available just even a Saturday afternoon to help you get over that hump of writing. If you don't want to start there, you can just literally, um, Find something that you want to talk about and then find a way in. So like I said, it could be doing it through an object and creating a metaphor, or it could be a list poem. I love list poems because they're so easy. So one that I recommend to a lot of newbies is make a list of things I've lost and things I've collected and see where it takes you. Or write about all the different masks you've experienced today that you're either wearing yourself or you've witnessed other people metaphorically wearing. Uh, so finding a prompt that speaks to you and then just saying, I'm gonna write for 20 minutes and if I get stuck, I'm gonna write what I really am trying to say and then just try and build that muscle. And you'll find, I think over time, it's like a conversation with your, a scheduled conversation with your own intuition. And it gives you that ability to keep talking to the self. And once you, I think, you know, I'm such a believer in this. I look back on things that I did and things that happened to me before I had really built that strong sense of self and intuition. And I am sad that I didn't start this practice earlier because now I, I'm so tuned in to who I am and what I want and what's not okay that it's a I find myself less often in those situations where I'm disconnected with self. I've also found that since I've started writing, um, I haven't had that many hard decisions because it's pretty clear. It becomes pretty clear when you, when you're able to make that connection and, and foster that relationship you know, it's, it's crazy. I think back on some, what looked like really big decisions, but to me, it was like, this is the right decision to make. So, um, I love that you, you touched on that too. And I think another thing I tell people is it doesn't have to be perfectly legible. It doesn't have to be spelled right. I write in cursive cause it's just like so much faster for me, but um, I think also people think back to poetry as like what they learned in elementary school where everything has to rhyme and it has, it has to, to be cool. like certain formats. So um, I think poetry doesn't, you know, I think we put a lot of constrictions on ourselves with, with writing and it has to look nice and, and sound nice, but it, you know, at the end of the day, it's for you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad that you made that point. You know, one of my favorite authors uh, is Anne Lamott, and she wrote a great book on writing. If, if anyone's interested in, in really what it is to begin a strong writing practice, her book is called Bird by Bird. And it's this idea of she was stuck when um, writing a, a book report uh, or a science report rather about birds. She said, where do I start? There's so many birds. And her dad told her, just start bird by bird. Um, just take the first bird and write about it. And so she has this notion though, also of um, a shitty first draft and just knowing that the first draft is gonna be shitty and giving yourself permission to make it as shitty as possible and letting that be okay, you know? And so I, it took me ages to, you know, not feel like I had my grad school professor over my shoulder <laughs> reading everything I wrote and saying, oh, I don't know about that metaphor. Um, and just saying this isn't the space for that. And even giving yourself permission is a pretty healthy practice to just say in this space, I don't worry about grammar. I don't worry if it sounds good. My job right now is to get it on the page. And that's my only job. I love that. Well, I hope people are able to carry that. And so much of it is just you know, picking up the pen and, and just doing it. It doesn't need to be planned or um, just carving out, you know, five, 10, 20 minutes during the day, I think is, is a great place to start. And I'd love if you could share about your workshops, where people can find you, how can they connect with you? Yeah, so um, most people find me on Instagram. I'm at Joy Sullivan Poet, um, and I frequently offer workshops, uh, pop-up work poetry workshops 
sometimes they're for they're around specific themes like healing or processing grief sometimes they're just around fun creative things um, but you can definitely find more information there my website is also typewriterpoems.com so you can find me either place and I will put um, all of the links in the show notes to that as well. I think that would be, I talk, I've been talking a lot more lately on my page about the importance of trying new things and, you know, kind of putting yourself out there. So I think, you know, doing one of your workshops would be such a great way um, to do that. And then I know you have a poem on grief and I'd love if you could um, read it to us to, to close out the episode. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a poem that I wrote a couple of years ago going through my own um, experience of grief. And I, um, <clears throat> I was reminded of that old story, that old uh, myth about Jonah and the whale. And I was thinking of grief and moving through heartbreak feels like anything. It feels like a beluga whale in the ocean. So that's um, what this poem is about. It's called Pushing the Belly. When you meet the beluga of your grief in the open ocean, do not pierce or pet it, do not ride or tame it, do not feed it anything other than yourself. Instead, let it roll you in its mouth, mold you with its gargantuan tongue, let it swallow you whole. Arrive like Jonah in the soft underbelly of lament, in the wail of your own sorrow, drown. Settle among the tattered fish, the carnage, the fisherman hooks carved into bones of rust. Push your heart into the raucous heart. Feel it beat wildly against your palms. Begin to crawl up the colossal throat and past monoliths of teeth. Climb out like a hymn. Rise like a stupid miracle flung upon some sun-fragrant rock, shocked and land-hungry, wet with whale spit and resolve. Cup your hands to your heart, full now with the sonar of sadness. Remember how it propelled you, breathless, toward the shore. Wow. That was amazing. That was so beautiful. <laughs> and I love that too, that, you know, we can that, that, that all mirrors, like, I'm sure different experience, you know, like I had a certain experience come to mind when you were reading that. And I love that poetry allows that interpretation, different interpretations. So, um, thank you for sharing that with us and thank you so much for coming and chatting with me. Um, and I hope everyone goes and checks out your workshop and your Instagram, the poem and on her Instagram, she shares, um, a lot of her writing. So I highly recommend you go follow Joy, but thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Kendra. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to at your breakup bestie, where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in-depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself, stay connected with loved ones, and the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass. I promise. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.